Welcome to the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. As investigators and mediators focused on regulatory and workplace conflicts, we have seen a thing or two and learned a thing or two. In each episode, we will be speaking with industry leaders in regulation, human resources and law, as well as thought leaders and top performers in investigations and mediation. We bring our audience interesting and cutting edge information on conflict management as it relates to professional regulation and workplace disputes. This industry is one of many views and we have to say that some views shared by our guests are not necessarily shared by the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast, its hosts or sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bernard and Associates, trusted investigation and mediation professionals since 2004. Now here's your host, Dean Bernard. Folks, and welcome to this edition of the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. And I want to thank you all for listening as usual. And today I have a great guest, Jill Zapatelli, who is going to talk about managing remote work and the remote workforce. This topic, I think, is going to appeal to everyone because no matter where you work, this is something that's happening to all of us or maybe for all of us, I guess, depends on how you choose to look at it. Now, before we get into the topic at hand, I need to tell you a little something about Jill. Jill is the founder and president of H2R Business Solutions, a human resources consulting firm that is a trusted partner for many businesses. Jill's an entrepreneur, an accredited human resource professional and project manager with a rich expertise in every facet of human resources. She's worked with Fortune 100s to not-for-profits and even startups. And she brings an array of experience and talents to creating and implementing authentic and effective HR solutions that companies can really rely on. Jill will say they look at all the needs of their current partners from hiring to retiring and everything in between. And I can attest to the fact that they do just that. Many of our clients actually have used Jill's services. And so that's where the name H2R comes from, from hiring to retiring. Her team can provide all things HR and does so every day. In fact, our company has partnered with Jill's team because many of our clients can use their help. And we'll work together to connect our clients for the assistance they need. And Jill sends her clients to us when they need investigation and mediation services. So it really is a great partnership that we have. Now, Jill brings her expertise to people in many ways, not only in terms of her company, but she's also a past member of the HRPA Board of Directors and a past member of the Board of Directors for Family and Children's Services of Waterloo Region. And if that wasn't enough, last year, Jill was named Kitchener-Waterloo Oktoberfest Woman of the Year in the entrepreneur category, and she won this honor among many prestigious individuals that uh, were part of that group. So with all of that, very happy to have you, and welcome to the show, Jill. Well, what an introduction, Dean. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Now, I must give you a quick little disclaimer here, Dean, because I've got two snorry bulldogs that are sleeping at my feet here. So if you hear some snoring throughout the show, it's not me and it's not you boring me. It's the dogs. <laughs> well, I, I've got, as you know, I've got dogs as well. and They're under strict orders to stay Good. quiet. If you do. <laughs> but, uh, they don't always listen, so I can relate. That's right. Well, Jill, you know, we're going to talk about remote workforces, and I think this really is a new reality for many people, and it, it brings about a lot of questions, particularly, I think, for leaders and organizations. So let me just start the ball rolling here by asking you, do you think this whole remote workforce thing is, is a good thing overall? 
It's a great question. And really, there are pros and cons to this. For me, it's interesting because even before COVID, my workforce was primarily work from home 100% and or they might be on site with clients. So for us, this wasn't a new thing or whatnot. But the one thing I always encourage my clients to remember is that not everybody enjoys working 100% from home. Some do, and some absolutely love it. The introverts out there in the world, this is absolutely for them, a remote workforce. And it's a great thing for them. And it's a great thing for a lot of, so you see a lot of tech companies primarily, those are who come to mind for me right away. And a lot of them have given up their office space and they are 100% remote. And a lot of them, the developers, I'll group them in a category called techies. They are absolutely thriving and loving it. But others that are extroverts that need that social interaction are struggling with it. So that's why we're now seeing when employers are trying to get employees to come back to work, they're having a hard time with some of them because some of them want to stay home 100%. Some of them want to be back at work 100%. And some of them want a hybrid. So what on earth are leaders to do, right? Yeah, it really is a challenge. I mean, we were the same in the sense that we always sort of offered a hybrid. The majority of our staff really appreciated coming into the office and, and having that interaction because, as you can imagine, as, as investigators and mediators, they're sort of an extroverted group by nature. Right, right. So, yeah, so they really enjoyed that that sort of uh, coming into the office. But at the same time, they also really enjoy coming into work. So we're one of those companies that has moved to the sort of the hybrid process where they really are on their own deciding when they're going to be in the office and when they're not. They just operate on an overall set of guidelines that we just want them to sort of pay attention to. But it does raise certain questions, I think, Jill, how we manage certain specific things. And one of those things that comes to my mind is the idea of managing onboarding and training new people. I mean, are there really things we can do to to make that a better process? Do we lose anything by having people sort of onboarding in a remote fashion? Mm-hmm. Good question. I mean, call me old fashioned or a little bit old school when it comes to this, Dean, and now I'm going to be dating myself. But I really feel that there's something to be said for having some of that onboarding process done in person, face to face, that they can actually meet their leader and or leaders. So we're actually talking about this at H2R as a team all the time. And this has come up actually this week for discussion to say, what if we did 100% remote. And I'm the one who's sort of pushing back to say, well, I still like that Monday in the office, you know, our IT comes in, one of our specialists on our team goes through some of the onboarding in person with them. And then we go for lunch. And then after that, they meet with their leader for a little bit in person. And then it's kind of like, then we free them to the world, right? So I don't know. I I really think there's something to be said for having that in person. So that's what we do. But there are a lot of companies that have had great success onboarding completely remotely. Like an organization might send a box, for example, to that new hire's home. And in that box, there might be, of course, their laptop and things that they need to function with work. But in there might be some swag or a book or something really cool that stands out. So people like that. But I still think there's something to be said for that in person to person. Speaking of that, yesterday, I know that you saw this on LinkedIn already, Dean, but I rented the Cineplex Odeon VIP movie theater in Kitchener 
for our team. And we went to see the Top Gun movie, Maverick. And boy, was it ever amazing. But the team, there were 31 of us, 31 of us there. And they loved it. They just loved being back in person. It's been two years since we've done anything like that. You know, they love that. And the hugs and the smiles. And I, I sent a note to my team yesterday saying, my heart is just full. It's just full. It was absolutely great. So I still think there's something to be said for the in-person, but companies are having success the other way too. Right. Well, and and I think that really touches on an important point, which is really around culture, right? Team culture, organizational culture. I think there's been a bit of a culture shift in, in some ways when we move to the hybrid model. And, and so it sounds like you're doing a lot of things to try and maintain that culture of inclusion, that culture of a real team environment. Our company recently did something unique in that we did a team building day so we got everybody together physically. We went to a boxing gym that uh, a friend of mine operates, and we spent a couple of hours learning all about boxing and doing some really fun exercises and things together as a team and learning. And, and then afterwards, went and had a you know a, a little party afterwards. And that is so cool. That is so cool. Yeah, and, you know, we had a great deal of fun, and it was uh, a great opportunity. Again, same as you, you know, lots of smiles. People finally having an opportunity to spend some time together, and of course, COVID sort of really separated us. And and so now it's a matter of we all could be back in the office. Not everybody wants to be. And so we're managing that. And my question to you is, how do we, aside from you know the event that I did and the event that you just talked about, what are some things that we can do to sort of keep the culture where we want it as we're shifting to these sort of work from home or hybrid models? Yeah, it's a question that comes up all the time when we're talking to different business owners and and how do they keep that culture alive or how do they maintain the culture that they had? And I think the reality is, is that it's it's going to change. So how do you build a new culture and adapt to what you have in place now? Because when you have a culture of 100% of your employees in the office, let's say you've got 50 of them, 50 people in the office, to all of a sudden having... 50 people, 100% at home, the culture will change, right? So I think that's the bigger question is how do they really maintain a positive culture and that culture, like you just mentioned, Dean, of being engaged? How do you do that? So there's lots of different, I would say, more fluffy things out there that you can do. But I think the very first thing would be actually do an employee engagement survey, which coincidentally, I've just launched one myself working with an external consultant today. Do an employee engagement survey and find out what your employees want. Find out what they need to keep that culture alive. That's a great idea, actually, because uh, I think it is easy for us to get out of sync with what employees want. So if the environment changes, let's find out if that's changing their viewpoint. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I guess if we were to shift away from this idea of sort of culture, I mean, that's obviously very important, but we also have the the challenges that are presented to managers around how do they manage? What are some of the things that managers can do to keep managing? Are there communication strategies that, that could be implemented or or other things to manage people's progress, their productivity, their confidence in, their, in doing their work? Any thoughts around that? Yeah, I think it really all comes down to being able to hold people accountable. And now that we're not necessarily side by side in an office, it's really important to have actual goals that are documented and some type of a performance plan 
um, that you can hold people accountable. And, and it's just about touching base. So have a daily or a weekly touch base and find out where people are at, but really being able to hold them accountable. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess that logically leads me into my next question, which is around handling staff who are having performance issues. I mean, it's got to be tougher to even observe performance in some cases, let alone deal with it. Absolutely. And how are most people dealing with it? Where's that rug? Open it up and shove it under the rug and don't deal with it. But no, that's not the answer. And that's when I get the phone calls. But the answer is being able to really document something and put people on a performance improvement plan if they're not succeeding. Let them know. Find out from them what they might be struggling with because you never know. I mean, you look at mental health and that's a whole other podcast, Dean, I know, so I won't get into that. But some people are really struggling. So find out. It's it's about two-way communication, really. Find out what their needs are, but don't be afraid to put them on a performance improvement plan that they're very clear in terms of what they are accountable for and responsible for and what goals they need to achieve. Right. And I guess even those performance improvement plans may look different moving forward than they have in the past. If the workplace models change, then obviously there'll be certain changes in what's expected of them. So that that makes sense. So I suppose even educating them from the get-go to understand the expectations is, is probably the first step. So that makes a lot of sense. And I guess this is sort of shifting gears again, but in terms of the whole work from home thing, where do employers stand in terms of the need to provide workers, like if workers, for example, say, well, I choose to work from home, yet perhaps as a, you know, as an employer, you're saying, well, I have an office here for you that you're welcome to come and use, but you're welcome to work from home if you wish. I mean, in that set of circumstances, is an employer obligated to provide the necessary equipment, phone lines, computers, all those sorts of things for the person's home if it's really their choice to work from home? Yes, yes, they still need to be able to look at their home office as their actual office. So they would still need to provide and set them up with what they need to be successful if they're approving them to work from home. I have had one client that the person did need to purchase their own laptop. I wasn't fully supportive of that. Now, there are other companies that go above and beyond, and they're actually providing like a a $500 bonus to spruce up your work from home space, which I think is super cool to do that. So if somebody wants to get some art on the wall or some pictures or some funky lights or whatever, they've got like a $500 spending account that they could do that for a home office. I love that idea. That sounds really good. So yeah, I guess it does make sense. And I mean, really logically, if you're the employer and you want your employee to be successful, you have to give them the tools that they need to do it or make the decision they're not allowed to work from home. I guess that's ultimately the employer's Mm -hmm. choice. But if you're going to let them do it, then you got to give them what they need to succeed. That's right. Yeah. Now, what about people taking advantage of these more flexible models? Have you found many of your clients dealing with that issue? I think in the beginning, there was a lot of fear around this, Dean. There was fear that this was going to really happen, that people were not going to be working. They're not going to be working their seven and a half hours. They're going to be doing laundry half the day. And and for the majority, now, odd cases, yeah, people are doing that. But for the majority, what we have seen from the stats, stats are saying that people are actually very productive and in some cases even more productive working 100% from home. Now, have people taken advantage? Absolutely. I mean, I've seen one employer try to bring in a group of employees back to the office and it was like, well, I've got a puppy and I walk him three times a day and I've been going to the gym and I've been doing this and I've been doing it. It's like, 
whoa, okay, hang on a second. Like this is flexible, but this isn't like your schedule. You know, there are people that do take advantage, but I think for the most part, employees have been really, really good at abiding to what they need to with their work schedule and what they need to get done and also working their full day and not slacking off. Right. And, you know, I mean, I know we've seen issues with some of our clients dealing with, and this has led to even investigations because uh, employers are trying to deal with some of these issues, but we've seen issues with some of our clients trying to deal with people who maybe have a job that doesn't fit that work from home or hybrid model their job necessitates them being in the office and they become upset and maybe develop some performance issues that are rooted in that frustration around the fact that, you know, they're seeing many of their coworkers getting to work from home and having this flexibility in their life, but their job doesn't fit that particular model. And I'm just wondering, have you seen that? And if so, how might an employer look at managing that? Yeah, it's interesting. And, And how does an employer manage that, right? I mean, the person is starting to develop performance issues and likely they're sitting there and applying for other jobs all day. I mean, the recruitment world right now is absolutely crazy. I've never seen it the way that it is right now. And I think that's what's happening is employers are almost being held hostage. So if you don't give them what you want, the employee is going to turn around and be a poor performer and they're probably looking for another job. So. I would say put them on a performance improvement plan, make sure that they've got some direct feedback. And if it's not working out, time to let them go and move on. Right. I think that makes a lot of sense because uh, we're hearing about these mass numbers of people that are resigning from their positions because for a variety of reasons. And I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know, if you're anything like me, you still have bills to pay. So I, I don't know where all these folks are going. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. It's absolutely, it just blows me away. Yeah. So if yeah. if they don't get what they want, then see you later. They're gone. Yeah. Well, and I guess, you know, in the end, that's probably in everybody's best interest. It's not a good fit. Then don't try to force a square peg into a round hole, I guess. Well, you know what, Jill, I really want to thank you. I mean, this has been a lot of fun to talk to you. I know you and I have talked about doing this probably ever since I started the podcast. You were one of the first people I talked to, but you're such a busy woman. You're in demand and it's been hard for us to get our schedules to jive for this, but I'm really glad we finally did. I think it's been really informative for our listeners to have this little sort of primer on the whole work from home thing. And I have one more question for you, because as I do with every podcast and every episode, I have to ask you, when you're not doing all the other amazing work you do, what can you tell our listeners about the off-duty, Jill? What do you like to do to have fun and decompress? Hmm, have fun and decompress. Okay, well, I have two teenage boys, 16 and 17. So I'm not sure about decompress. It may be more <laughs> like stress, but I like hanging with my boys if and when they might choose to give me five minutes of their time. But I also have a very close group of girlfriends that I like to hang out with and get together. We're trying to do once a month sort of girls weekends away at cottages and whatnot. Anywhere by water, I'm in my happy place. So put me on at Lake Huron anywhere and, and sit me on a dock and I'm good to stay there for a long time. I also love the spa. So to me, that is sort of my decompressed time for sure. And I try and do something for myself at least once a month. Good for you. Well, you know, it's so important because when you think about all the stressors and the things that we have been going through and continue to go through and all the change that we're facing, self-care is 
pretty darn important. And in fact, I'm I'm hoping to get somebody on the podcast soon to talk a little bit about self-care for people. And I've got a couple of people in mind that I'm going to do that with. But uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's I do think it's important. And I'll, I'll let our listeners in on a little secret. I kind of like the spa, too. <laughs> It's a great place to hang out, get some relaxation in. So my wife and I tend to, we tend to hit the spa quite frequently. It's our way of decompressing. So I can totally relate to that. One. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Well, Jill, again, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show. You've got great knowledge to share. And I know our audience has taken away some helpful tips. I guess the last question for you, I lied before. There is one more. How can people connect with you and your company? Oh, thanks for asking. Thanks so much for allowing me to be a guest, Dean, and I'm glad that we were able to connect after all this time and make this work, and I hope that your listeners are enjoying. So to contact me, here's my email address. It is jill, so J-I-L-L, at Y-O-U-R-H, and then the number 2R.com. So jill at your H2R.com. And I would love to hear from your listeners. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks again. I'm sure you're going to hear from some of them. You're definitely a great source of information and your company does great work. And as I say, I can certainly attest to that. Not that I'm trying to turn this into an infomercial, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you guys really are great. and We enjoy working. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, everybody, that is a wrap for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank you again for listening. And as I say all the time, we want to hear back from you. You know, our previous listeners, they know that I always say this goal that we have, which is constant and never-ending improvement, it's how we operate. It's what we want with this podcast. It's what we want with everything that we do at Bernard & Associates. So please do give us your feedback. It helps us learn. It helps us grow. And in the end, it'll help us bring the very best and interesting content to you. Now, all of our podcasts are linked to our website at bernardinc.com. And you can always reach me at dbernard at bernardinc.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel where you can find more than just the podcast. You can find all kinds of interesting content and information about investigations and mediation. So definitely invite you to check out our Bernard & Associates YouTube channel. And with that, I will say goodbye and we'll see you next time on the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. Bye-bye, everybody.